So we're in a new series called Game On. And what we talked about last week was the idea that there is a game on uh, our life. And uh, what we talked about was the idea, I, I shared my fear in football, my fear of being hit and my fear of hitting. I, I liked playing football. I liked catching. I liked running. I liked doing all those things. I hated hitting. And that's kind of a big deal in football. You really should. Uh, it, it's a big part. And so what we were talking about last week was the idea that I, I would have loved it if we could have taken that part out, but in fact, we can't. That's just football. And so what we talked about is in our own lives, there are lots of things that we wish we could just take out. Uh, the sickness, uh, the relationship that is uh, failing, um, you know, the, our financial stresses. We just wish if, if, if life would be great if I could just take that out. And what we've talked about was the fact that we can't. That's just life. Just as hitting is part of something in football, things come and go in life. And so we were talking about the idea that it would be better to know how to handle ourselves in those situations than trying to always avoid them or remove them. And, and, and so what, with a couple of things we had talked about was the fact that our struggle, our battle in life is not against flesh and blood. It's not against that boss. It's not against that relationship that's going down the tubes. It's not against our uh, relatives. It's not against our financial situation, but against rulers and powers and authorities of this dark world. And so we talked about the idea that there's two kingdoms. Uh, there's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the earth, and they live side by side, sometimes interwoven to each other, and that God, in his love for us, wants us to be able to not only survive life, just like I wanted to just survive the football uh, game, but to thrive. And so that's what we've been talking about. And the graphic we have up there is football because football season is starting up. And I love football season. It's my favorite time out of the whole year. And uh, what begins to happen as football season ramps up is that all these little kind of cottage industries ramp up around it. And so you'll hear, maybe you're in an office where somebody's doing fantasy football. And in fantasy football, you get to pick the, the players that you want and you form this team and then you win, you know, pro probably not money because you guys don't gamble, but, uh, you know, like you're in this office pool or, or whatever and so you've got this fantasy team. You'll see on Monday morning, we have a term uh, that, uh, called Monday morning quarterback and that's where you stand around and you talk around the water cooler about how you, if you were quarterback, how you would have done it. And you can watch ESPN and you can watch, listen to talk radio, uh, sports radio and all that. And they'll say, you know, the quarterback holds it and they'll slow it way down and show his arm is out like this and you shouldn't throw that way. And oh, I don't know why he's doing that. And they just analyze a slow motion, just as slow as it possibly could be. And you make a judgment. As a Monday morning quarterback, you make a judgment on every little frame like, ah, oh, I don't know why he did that. That's ridiculous. Why did he call that play? You know, all that kind of stuff. That's Monday morning quarterbacking. And then there's other things that happen. There's the fan, you know, just those who are a fan. And at, during this season is when they start painting their bodies different colors. And, and they, you know, sometimes half and half and they buy foam fingers and all this kind of stuff. And they're really into it. My daughter has a, um, her roommate last year was a big Green Bay Packers fan. 
She loved the Green Bay Packers, knew all the players and all this kind of stuff. And, and when she went back to Green Bay, we had her, she stored some of her stuff in my garage, this box. And on top of the box was a cheese head, like the kind that you see when they're actually, I, I had an actual cheese head in my garage. I didn't put it on. I was afraid of what might happen. You know, I don't know if they're, they're all connected in some way or I'd be zapped out or I'd just start getting dumber. But anyway, so I, I didn't, I didn't want to put that on. And so, but that's it. They, people wear cheese heads. They get fans. It's short for fanatic. They get emotional and, 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 and their weeks can be destroyed by a play. That's the fan. And people who, there are people who gamble on football, large amounts of money, and they're supposed to remain unemotional that they just bet, they study and analyze and do all that, and they just, they don't bet with their heart. They try to just win money. It's football season. I started thinking, you know, this is a lot like Christianity. (laughs) When I say the word Christian, every single one of you will have kind of a different sense of what that is. As a matter of fact, if you were at work, or maybe you're in the park or whatever, and someone came up to you and said, are you a Christian? If you're like me, you'd probably not just answer that right away. You'd probably go, what do you mean by that? (laughs) What do you mean? What are you talking about? Because we can think of all sorts of different kinds of Christians. Some of them we don't want to really be associated with because maybe they're more like the fan. They're just crazy and they show up at work with all sorts of, you know, their face painted like Jesus, whatever his color would be. But, you know, you, you got... Uh, all these things going on, like, you know, you might see someone on the news and you might be like, man, I don't, I don't want to be part of that. Maybe it's something like this, you know. You think, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not that type of Christian that has a giant sign and walks up and down the street. Maybe you are that kind of Christian and you want to make sure that you're not the kind of wishy-washy Christian that isn't afraid to defend their faith. There's just so many different kinds. There's the kind that goes after, you know, all the different things in culture and has something to say about every little thing. This was when Jerry Falwell was upset at the Teletubbies. You know, I don't know why. I mean, I I don't, you know, it's not like the Teletubbies ever ate a dog or anything. I mean, they're just, they're just Teletubbies, right? And so, oh, it's all week long, Judy, all week long. I'm I'm not, uh, yeah, it's never going to end. Okay, so, so you know, and and so you're like, well, I'm not, but I'm not like the Pat Robertson kind of guy, or maybe you are that guy, and you really want to explain why you're you're that person. There's just all sorts of different kinds. There's this guy, you know, you're like, well, I don't, he's kind of like the fan, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not like that. There's the kind of the big mega church, and you think, well, I don't, I don't like those big churches. I like small churches. I mean, I mean, man, when we say Christian, there's like everything. There's different denominations. Some we really want to be associated with, some we don't. Then there's like true Christians, and hey, what's that? I'm sorry. I just put that up there because that's what I'm talking about. Oh, but you know what? But, but even that. You know, when I talk about this church, and we talk about, you know, people ask, well, what kind of church is it? And I'll say, well, you know, we preach the word of God, and we believe it, and, and you know, we, we believe that God's real, and that he's a creator, and that he's our heavenly father, and, 
But then I always talk about, but we do stuff, you know. We do stuff in the community too. It's not just about, you know, why? Because Christian can mean almost anything. And sometimes we, 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 we buck against it and we'll start, before we say I'm a Christian, man, we'll start with a whole bunch of caveats. Like, well, yeah, but I'm still cool, you know, or whatever it is, you know. It's like, duh, because it, it means so many different things. Well, here's the thing. The Bible doesn't use the term Christian. Jesus never used the term Christian. Paul never used the term Christian. Now, it's in the Bible three times, but it wasn't used by Christians to talk about Christians. It was a term that was assigned to Christians, that was given to Christians. As a matter of fact, in Acts, it says the first time they were called Christians was in Antioch. And, and, and so it was, like, it was like they didn't know what to call them. It, before, it was just called the way. You were a part of the way. And so in Antioch, they started calling them Christians. And it was kind of like, ter- like, like a derogatory term. It was like redneck. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, those rednecks. Now, if you're a redneck, you like being called a redneck. You, got, you go, you know, redneck crazy and all this kind of stuff if you listen to country music. And so it's, like, it's, like it's kind of been adopted into a meaning something good, I, I guess. And, and, and so, but Christian, Christian has no definition. And if you try to define it, you're just going to get frustrated because there's so many different types of Christians and different types of things. So the Bible doesn't even use that. The Bible uses another term that's much more intentional. It, it's much more well-defined. It's, it's actually really hardcore. Like the the term the Bible uses to describe is something that you really can't hide behind. See, if I say Christian, I can probably find a church that kind of like the Fantasy League has everything I want. Oh, I like this type of worship, and I like this type of speaker, and I want to go with this type of children's ministry and this type of thing, and it's like my Christian fantasy league where I just kind of build the perfect church, and you can find it somewhere. I mean, you can, you can go. If you want a church that really hammers the word, and like every time you come in, somebody hits you in the face with the Bible, you can find it. If you want to find a church where it's like, just don't talk about sin, no problem. They got those kind of churches. But this, this word, this word's totally different. This word is disciple. And that is the term the Bible uses to describe someone who's in this relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can't really hide behind that, that word. A disciple someone who says, God... Jesus, what what would you have me do in this situation? A a disciple is someone, a follower of Jesus, that would, however Jesus would respond, that's how they're going to respond. That they spend so much time with Christ, so much time with Jesus, that they begin to kind of look like Him, to kind of act like Him, to respond like Him. Jesus, I'm in this relationship, and and, and it's, it's, it's going downhill. How would you respond in this relationship? That's how I'm going to respond. Jesus, I'm in this job, and they're asking me to do some things, and I don't know if I feel comfortable. How would, how would you respond in that situation? See, that's hard to hide behind when you're like, Jesus, would, would you watch this movie? See, it's, it's great. You know, can Christians watch this movie and watch that movie? And we go, oh, yeah, oh, sure. Can Christians do this? Can Christians do that? Yeah, yeah. Jesus, would you do this right now? That's a little scarier, but that's what disciples do. 
disciples look to their master and they say, how am I supposed to respond in this situation? Now, what's awesome about this is many, many times when you're in a situation and you begin to go, Jesus, how would you, don't you quite often have your answer already? See, when it's like, well, well, is it okay? Well, that, that, that can take, you could talk to five different people. Is it okay? Well, it all depends, you know. Jesus, would you, uh, it's like, it's kind of a, kind of messes you up. But this is the word the Bible used. Now, just as in football, there's all these fantasy leagues and all this kind of stuff. In Christianity, there's all this kind of stuff. But here's the thing. Imagine you're at a football game. You're at the Super Bowl. You get tickets to the Super Bowl, okay? And you got your chili cheese dog in one hand, and you got your nachos, and uh, you, got your, you got everything all set out, your peanuts or whatever they sell, you know, like $700 worth of, of, of nachos, right? Two, two orders worth. And, uh, and so you got all that stuff, and you're ready for the game because you're, you're, you're a fan. You love it. You can't believe you got tickets to the Super Bowl. The coolest thing ever, the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, someone comes up to you. Let's say it's, let's say it's the New England Patriots are in the Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, they're in the Super Bowl, and you're sitting there, and you're ready to go. And all of a sudden, someone taps you on the shoulder, and you go, huh? And it's Bill Belichick, the coach of the New England Patriots. And he says, hey, come on. You got to play quarterback. Let's go. And you got to big mouthful of chili cheese dog your guts hanging out and you're like hmm what you're on let's go that feeling of like I'm totally not prepared this is crazy I don't even know any of the plays they're gonna kill me down there this is exactly where the disciples found themselves in Mark chapter 6 that we're gonna look at now this sense of wait what are you kidding me watch it's in Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 34. Let me just set it up here. We can keep this verse up there. But what, what's happened is the disciples had gone out on a trip. Jesus sent them out with some specific instructions. And he said, you know, when you do this, you know, don't take a tunic. And we're all just like, cool, I don't wear a tunic anyway. But, you know, for them, that was a big deal. Don't take extra money, kind of do all this stuff. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to preach the, preach the good news. I want you to heal the sick, and I want you to cast out demons. So imagine Jesus shows up and he says, okay, you're going to go to work Monday, tomorrow, well, tomorrow we have off, but Tuesday, you go to work Tuesday, here's what I want you to do. I want you to preach the good news of the kingdom, I want you to heal the sick, and I want you to cast out demons, and you go ahead and do it. And then you come back and you tell Jesus about everything that was happening, and not only that, you tell the other disciples, and so they're just sharing stories. This is exactly where they are in this, and they're tired because Jesus has been doing ministry, they've been doing ministry, and so Jesus, says, it says in Mark, they didn't even have time to eat. And Jesus says, let's go to a quiet place. And so you're thinking, oh, good. Just get off my feet, get something to eat, and, you know, kind of get rejuvenated again. And as they go to this lonely place, people start seeing them. It's Jesus. They were fans of Jesus. Face painted up, big J, you know, they got kind of all this kind of stuff. They dress like Jesus. They run on ahead. And this is where we find him. It says, when Jesus landed they were in a boat and saw a large crowd he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd 
Jesus began to see things for what they really were, the kingdom of God. And he looked and he thought, man, these are people who are lost. These are people who need a shepherd. They need guidance. They need the, the, the things of the world are not working out for them. Like we talked about, there's a game on and they're losing. Okay. And so they were harassing help us. So what did he do? He began to teach them many things. This is basically what he's doing is he's trying to create disciples. He didn't start a denomination there. He didn't do, he, 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 he started teaching them going, okay, look, hey, in this situation, this is how you need to respond. When you encounter this, this is what you're going to do. This is what your heavenly father says. And we can read some of those teachings. Okay. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who persecute you. I, I just want to disciple you essentially and tell you what it's like. So it, the Bible goes on and says, by this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's very late. And so they give Jesus some instructions. <laughs> I don't know if you ever have given Jesus some instructions. <clears throat> He's not too terribly concerned with your instructions. I've come to find out that my ideas, while they seem great to me, oftentimes don't end up in a very good spot. And I praise God that Jesus doesn't listen to my instructions or just say, hey, let's try it your way, that he says no to me because it helps. Okay, but here's what they say to him. And it seems, nor this seems normal, okay? Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And is that not my instruction to Jesus oftentimes? Lord, now I, I don't have a boss right now, you know, but I did have a boss. And, and there, there, there were days where I'd be like, Lord, send my boss away so that I might get my work done and be left alone. Or You might be thinking the same thing. Lord, Lord, here's my Lord, give me a raise so that I can bless those around me with more money and get out of debt or whatever your instruction is. Don't you just kind of want it removed? Send them away, kind of get the problem out of here. Don't you pray like I do? for God to remove more than to add, like, oh, Lord, please take this away from me, you know, all this kind of stuff. This is all they're doing. Jesus, send them away. Let them get something to eat. I, we, we, it's late. There's a problem. And then Jesus just says something stupid, really. I mean, it just, he says, you give them something to eat. 5,000 people. Now, imagine we're back at the Super Bowl again, and uh, you've got your chili cheese dog and your nachos, and uh, all of a sudden, Bill Belichick says, you're going to be in the game, but then he taps in and says, hey, with that chili cheese dog, could you please feed everybody in the stadium? And you're like, man, number one, Bill Belichick's really annoying. Number two, like, how is that going to be possible? You give them something to eat. That would be the equivalent of me being tapped on the shoulder and going, go play in the Super Bowl. It's impossible. They can't feed them. And so they say this. As you're being led onto the field to go play, what would you be doing? Uh, Bill, okay, first of all, I'm 40 pounds overweight. Uh, I don't even know how to throw a football. I don't know any of the plays. You'd begin to start doing that. And this is what they do. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. You could almost add knucklehead. Like, what a bad idea is basically what they're saying. Are we going to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? 
Like, how, how am I going to play in the Super Bowl? This is what they must have been feeling. Like, what, what are we going to do? And this is the question Jesus has for you this morning. What do you have? Forget about, is it adequate enough? Forget about, is it, is it enough for the task at hand? What do you actually have? How much patience do you have right now? How much strength do you have? Not, I don't have enough strength, Lord, to get through this situation. This, this situation is just too much for me. Look, that's, not the, that's not the question we're asking. Do you have enough strength? Here's the beauty of it. Jesus knows they don't have enough. And yet, he's beginning to ask them to do something that is beyond their strength, and everybody knows it. Jesus says, what do you got? Now, let me ask you, the situation you're going through this week, maybe something you just got through, what, what do you have? Lord, I, I, I don't have enough patience for this situation. How much patience do you have? And then we have to look to Matthew. So in Mark, Mark tells this story, and Mark leaves out, I don't know what he was thinking, but he left out like the, one of the greatest parts that Matthew didn't leave out. And so I, I, I stole, I robbed from Matthew to pay Mark to, because it's just very important part of the story. I don't know why Mark or why the Holy Spirit didn't have Mark do it or what, what have you. But here, here's what he says. He says, how many loaves do you have? He asked, and he says, go and see. And they found out there was five and two fish. And then Jesus says this, bring them here to me. Not use that, use what you have. Not, well, that should be fine. Not, oh, I thought you had, you know, 5,000, you know, people's worth. My bad. You know, carry on. We'll send them to the towns. He doesn't say any of that. He says, bring it to me. Take what you have right now. Obviously inadequate. Jesus knows that. And bring it to me. Man, that's being a disciple, isn't it? I mean, Christian, we can, we can talk about what we're supposed to do with our money as Christians, what we're supposed to do with our time. We can talk about, can a Christian do this? Can a Christian not do that? Christian, 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 Christian. Disciple. Man, that's totally different. Everything I got, it's yours. Man. So he brings him to Jesus, and it says Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups in the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, one of the things I love to do is ask myself questions like, well, why did Jesus do that? Like, why did he have them in groups of hundreds and fifties? I have no idea. Anyway, just thought I'd let you know. Okay. So they sat down in groups uh, of hundred and fifties. And he says, taking the five loaves... And the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Can you imagine how foolish that must look? You've got 5,000 people here in groups of, and he's kind of already committed, you know? Get in groups of 50 and, 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 five, and 100. And then you take this measly little thing and you offer it up to your heavenly father and bless it. He goes on, he says, he gave them to the disciples to set out before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. 
we actually talked about this story two years ago when we, uh, we did a s- series called Questions, which we'll probably end up doing again next year with a whole new set of questions. But we were talking about the fact that God asks us questions. Typically, when you look in the Bible, some of the ways that God communicates to us is by asking us questions that we have to answer. And in the process of answering, we come up with our own answer to whatever we were praying about. And so uh, this, is, this whole part of the story is just mind-boggling to me. Because when you think about what the disciples had to do, Jesus blesses it and then gives this stuff to the disciples and then they take their basket and they start going to the different groups. Okay, so they go to like the group of 50 and they've got their basket. They can only carry so much, right? So let's say you have a basket and maybe there's, I don't know, 40 loaves in that basket, 25, what do I know, right? And so you're looking with your basket that's kind of freaking you out because now it's full of bread. You don't know where that came from. But you're still seeing the enormity of what needs to happen. And so you're kind of like, at least I would be, man, Jesus just made, out of that one bread, he made like 20 loaves. This is awesome. But as I'm distributing it, like I go to David, I know David's going to take like five loaves because he's always grabbing stuff and trying to take whatever he can. So I'm probably thinking to myself, dude, don't take too much, David, okay? This time, first service, he, he got up and hit me. So, uh, but, but you know, you're thinking, don't take too much because this looks, even though it's way more than I had before, I don't think it's going to do it. Have you ever been there in your life? God's blessed you. He's done something and you got it and you think to yourself, God, I don't want to let this go. You look out over the enormity of what's happening. And so it empties out eventually. And you turn around and you go back to Jesus. And you know what he does? He fills up your basket again. And again and again and again. And the thing we talked even two years ago, we brought up this point. And it was just imagine what it's like. You first get done with your basket and you're thinking, oh no, I'm out. You go back to Jesus and he gives you some more. And you're like, well, that was kind of cool. And you get to, you know, row three and then you're in the middle Soon, man, when you're in the middle, you're thinking, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. Take as many, you're probably dumping them out onto the people. You can have it all. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go back and Jesus is going to fill up the basket again. I know he is because he just keeps doing it over and over and over again. Now, imagine if Jesus would have listened to the disciples and sent them all away to go buy food. Where would the disciples be? Well, probably fine. You know, they, they left and they got to finish telling their stories and they got something to eat and they got a good night's sleep. But what they missed was incredible. So here's the question I have for us. Christians come up with great ideas and they tell Jesus, Jesus, this is going to be good for the people and we're going to do this and this and this. Disciples take what they have and they give them to Jesus so that he can bless it and he can distribute it so that more and more people can be blessed. Jesus said it this way right before he left for uh, heaven. He's talking and he says, look, therefore, go and make Christians. (laughs) Go and make denominations. Go and come up with really neat ideas for church. No, he says, go and make disciples. 
people who are going to look like me, act like me, people who will bring their things to their heavenly Father and say, you bless it. The people after they're blessed give it away freely, knowing that they serve a heavenly Father that's a creator that can create stuff out of nothing. That's what it means to be a disciple. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. I wonder in my own life how many miracles I've missed because I wouldn't take the little bit I had to Jesus. I wonder what I've missed. I hope when I get to heaven, Jesus isn't like, oh, here, step into this room. I'll show you what you missed. I hope he's just like, oh, forget it. Here he goes. You made it. <laughs> Congratulations. And, and off you go. But I wonder. That, that time when, 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 when we just heard clearly from God, don't say that. Don't say that in that situation. Jesus wouldn't say it. You know, he say it. And it's like, oh, man. No. I wonder if Jesus sometimes goes, no. No. What did you do that for? We had the most incredible solution. Didn't we have a Yeah, we had a great solution to that. And you're just like, but I had to say it. You don't understand. That's Christian. That's not disciple. As David comes back up, what we've done this two weeks is hopefully what we've talked about is the fact that there's a game on. Okay, that's why it's called game on. There, we're in a battle. We're, we're in the game, okay? And, the, and we're players. We're not fans. We're not referees. We're not coaches. We are players in this game. And God wants us to play to the best of our ability. He wants to train us, teach us, and set us free not to survive the game, but to thrive in it.